0: Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth, and the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring and our offspring's offspring, the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Amen. The four species, one of the major mitzvahs that we do during uh, Sukkot is we wave the lulavim, the esrog, the lulavim, the four species, as it were. And everybody, all you gentlemen, should be doing this in your, in your sukkahs throughout the whole holiday, that you should be waving the lulav every day. Then we come together on Hoshana Rabbah, and we actually do the circuit seven times, and we beat the willow, and it's a very, very uh, meaningful uh, time, But I thought I would share a few insights about the four species so we can understand kind of what they mean mystically to us and spiritually to us. Vaikra 2340, we read today, On the first day you should take for yourself the fruit of a citron tree, the branches of the date palm, twigs of a plated tree, and brook willows, and you are to rejoice before Adonai your God for seven days. Somebody asked recently, how do we know, where in Scripture does it say that the sukkah is supposed to be made without a roof? And my response to that is, nowhere in Scripture does it say how to make a sukkah. So it's required that you have somebody tell you. Who should tell you? The judges of Israel should tell you. For 3,000 years, we've been making the sukkahs like we make the sukkahs today, right? Right? So it says, what purpose do the four species serve? So the four species, basically, the Torah also tells us to gather four species, but it doesn't tell us exactly which ones to gather. So again, the sages of Israel, those who had the oral Torah, got together and said, this is what the four species specifically are. So what's the purpose of them? And also, what does the expression take for yourself mean? These words, the commentators write, suggest that we derive benefit to ourselves from this taking. So what is it that we gain? Further, why do these species engender happiness? And so we proceed to explain these from insights from the Midrash and the Zohar. What is it? And also I shared earlier in the, in the Aliyah day that the lulav is the scepter of the king. The scepter of Hashem is a lulav, not necessarily a, a, a gold scepter like we see it's, complete. it's just like his, his altar is made out of natural stone. It cannot be shaped. It can't be fashioned. It has to be natural stone. So therefore, his scepter are these four species. The Midrash Yalkut Shimoni Moore 650 says that King David said in Psalm 1611, Make known to me the path of life, the fullness of joys in your presence, the delights that are in your right hand for all eternity. So it goes on to explain that anyone, while anyone can rejoice, especially on the festive occasion of Sukkot, joy can, in fact, be just a superficial or short-term emotion. We can have a happy day one day, and we can revert back to our not-so-happy day, right? So the question becomes, how do we have true joy? Yalkut explains that the four species represent different organs in the human body, okay? The f- message of the four species is take for yourself. That is, these species, when we take them, we think we're just waving plants. We're waving an Esrod. But these we're waving cre- parts of creation that correspond to our organs. This is what it says in Yakut. Rabbi Mani opened the discourse and said, All my bones say, Adonai, who is like you. King David said in this verse, refers specifically to the lulav, whose spine resembles a man's backbone, the hadas, which resembles the eye, the arava, which, re- which resembles the mouth, and the esrog, which resembles the heart. So therefore, by fulfilling the commandment of the four species properly, one causes the joy of Sukkot to penetrate into every part of the body. The psalmist's plead... To be be filled with the joy of Hashem's presence refers to inner serenity, as we have seen in the word paneka in the psalm cited above. Literally, this word means your face. So in the sense offered, uh, often, excuse me, and and in this sense often refers to Hashem's presence. His, His face is His presence. This is why Mashiach is the manifestation of God. You can say he's also the Shekinah. Why? Because whenever you've seen God's face, you've seen the presence of God. This is why it says that we cast the blood, we are cast the blood on Yom Kippur. It says we're cast to cast the blood on the face. The ark, you realize the ark is referred to as the face of God. We put blood literally on the face of God during Yom Kippur. Any wonder why the the blood ran down his face? So it says the mitzvah of taking the four species also ensures that the joy of Sukkot will continue throughout the year. As the psalmist says, the delights that are in your right hand for all eternity. So when we take the four species, this is the beautiful thing about Judaism in general, the mitzvahs in particular is that by participating in the mitzvahs physically, that is a way in which we tap into their spiritual essence. You might think, while I'm sitting in my sukkah, I have my four species and I'm waving, I don't necessarily feel anything. But you don't necessarily feel your body being oxygenated when you breathe. But it is providing oxygen and other nutrition and so on, to your cells. You don't feel that, but it's happening. If you ever stopped breathing, you would feel it. <laughs> so the midrash cited above suggests that the four species, it says here, symbolize various parts of the human body. By performing Hashem's will, with species representing different organs, we dedicate every part of ourselves to a higher calling. The Midrash describes those who take the four species as winners. Listen to this. The Midrash describes those who take the four species as winners. Say winners. Winners of a great battle. Winners of a great battle, referring to a moral victory. When we take the Lulavim, we are saying that we have been victorious in battle. This is why we read in the the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation, where the people were dressed in white, standing before Hashem, waving palm branches, it says. This is after the redemption, after the final redemption, after the great victory. What were they waving? Palm branches? No, they're waving, waving the lulav. Why? Because the lulav is referred to as that, the palm. Because the palm is the great uh, center element. This is why it's so important to get in, inside Hashem's path. Versus an outside path. We find ourselves, if we're outside the path, we might find ourselves waving uh, bells of holly. No, I'm just saying. It's true, right? We find ourselves waving something that somebody else said to wave. Who knows nothing about God's Torah. So the Yetzirah seeks to make the body resist the soul's quest for spiritual growth. So by waving the four species towards heaven... We achieve, it says here, a true victory and demonstrate that our souls triumph, that Hashem's wishes, not our physical passions, dominate us. By forcing our body, this is the beautiful thing about mitzvah in general, but talking about the lulavim specifically, by forcing ourselves, our physical body, to do something physical that is a spiritual mitzvah, we are telling our physical nature that you will be subservient to God's Yetzer Tov, not the Yetzer Hara. You say, I don't really want to do that. That's the first step towards giving in to the Yetzer Hara. We have to worship God with our whole being and our whole body. With that said, give a warm welcome to Shomer Man as he's coming to give us some more insights.
1: Oh, there it is. Rukashem. Well, haksameach, everyone. So I'm, my, my goal is to teach you a few words today because we're going to focus on the suga. All right, so um, first thing is I want to shout out, we uh, also have Dr. Strange over here, which is Dr. Sakal, and we have Aquaman, which is Azariah, and uh, Groot is not here, but the Silver Surfer is, that's Mr. Yaakov over there, so shouts out to more people. Um, so the first word I want to teach you is Kabel, or Kabal, okay, it's three letters, it's Kuf Bet Lamid. When you look at these words, this is the word that's the root for Kabbalah. Now, this is going to come up later, so I want you to tab that word, but for now, one of the main reasons why we've adopted these alter egos, if you will, is because, number one, you're supposed to have fun when you study Torah, and number two, when we study Torah around here, you do want to throw things and blow things up, <laughs> because you just don't know what to do with yourself, and um, and part of understanding how this all works, it, it works from the concept of cabal. Like, these attributes that these characters that are, were created by all the comics and the things like that, they're based off of reality. Like, different aspects that are a part of every person that Hashem has created, where do you think they got the tight cast for these characters from? They're, it's loosely based off someone who actually is real, you know? So, uh, just this concept of being able to, to manifest that out, and it's really cool that, you know, we're getting this opportunity on Sukkot to reveal this because this is what it's going to take for the next wave of bringing in the final redemption is that we're going to have to use, quote, unquote, our shuva powers is what I call them. And so, you know, I encourage each of you to look at, you know, some of the comic book heroes and make them Torah, you know, convert them. We need Jewish superheroes. So anyway, so that's Kabbal. And uh, while we're still here on Kabbal, the the letters for heart and the letter for kuf makes up the word Kabbal. So you have the Lamed and the Bet, which is Lev, the last letter and the first letter of Torah. Then you have the kuf, which is all connected to the kadosh, the holiness of Hashem. And so you have a holy heart when you have the reception of Hashem. So I just want to encourage you that. And the Torah is called 32 Paths of Wisdom. So, which is also the gematria of Lamet and Bet. Okay, so the first place I want everybody to turn to in Yo Humash, or your Tanakh, or your Bible, is Shemot 38. Start at verse 21. Because as we talk about the Sukkah, how did we get here? So I'm going to shout out the wasp. Uh, she did a drive-by while I was driving, and uh, she <laughs> she tells me, oh, I'm reading something over here about, you know, there's four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and each of those days is a letter of Hashem's name. So you're literally building up the name of Hashem, and then by the time Sukkot happens, you got Hashem's whole name, and now go, I'm like, really? You know? <laughs> but anyway, so the foundation of this, when is a time in the Torah where we built an edifice that was Hashem tabernacling among us that was gathering in elements of Hashem's divine name. Well, it's in chapter 38 of Shemot, which is Exodus. starting in 21. We're just going to read this one verse. It says, These are the reckonings, or the pekude, or the accountings, of the mishkan, even of the Mishkan Ha'edut, as it was recorded according to the command of Moshe. For the Avodat HaLevi'im, for the worship service of the Levi'im, by the yod of Itamar ben Aharon the Cohen. So by the hand of Itamar, the son of Aharon. So in the Hasidic Insights, it says the tabernacle was a testimony. The word testimony, four letters, ayin, dalet, vav, tav, edut. This is the word testimony. It's related to the word for jewelry, which is the word ade, which is ayin, dalet, yod. Then it says the Torah uses this word ade to refer to the crowns that the people received at the giving of the Torah and they had to remove at the incident of the golden calf. This alludes to the fact that when the tabernacle, which was the means God provided us to regain spiritual heights and divine consciousness, he gave us when he gave the Torah. So when Hashem gave us the Torah, he also gave us a habitation of himself among us. So when Yeshua was born, Not only is that another giving of the Torah, but that's Hashem's habitation among us. And it's four letters in the name of Yeshua, which would correspond to the four letters of of the name of Hashem and the four letters of the name for testimony, which is edut. Now, in these four days between Yom Kippur, we we have these things called crowns that we're casting before Hashem because each of these four days we're planning, we're trying to figure it out, which, by the way, did everyone know it is a mitzvah to actually plan to do a mitzvah? Like, just say love for a second because, I mean, the mitzvah is to build a sukkah. But the mitzvah is also to write it down, plan it out, think about it. If you did any of that, you got a mitzvah before you got your mitzvah. And Hasidus teaches that when you do a mitzvah with simka, you exponentially multiply it by like a thousand, maybe a billion. So I don't know if anybody was happy planting your sukkah, but might think about that because before you even did anything, Hashem was like, you know what, I'll give you a mitzvah, you know. So that was called a pakude. That was gathering in our jewelry. That was gathering in our crowns. And when we built that sukkah, we cast our crowns before Hashem. Because he dwelled among us, and we saw our king. And we were able to point at him and say, this is our king, and we will worship him. And when you sit in your sukkah, it's called the shadow of your emuna. Zal, everybody say Zal. Zal, not here right now, but yeah, but him. Uh, He is a shadow. That's what the word Zal stands for, shadow. It starts with the letter Sadi, okay, Sadi, all right, and then emuna. Okay, is the word for our faith, the shadow of our faith. Okay, and when you take the first letter of each of those words, the Sadi and the Aleph, you have the word eight, if you spell it Aleph Zadi. So, literally, the shadow of your faith, the shadow of your Imuna, when you're sitting in your Sukkah, you're sitting underneath a tree, i.e., the tree of life. Because this sukkah comes from Torah, which is tree of life, which is Yeshua, abiding in Yeshua, right? Sitting underneath the tree. All right. So let's go ahead and fast forward. Go all the way to Yochanan chapter 1. So remember that word Kabbal. Does anybody remember what Kabbal means? It means receive. It's the root of Kabbalah. Okay. So... In verse 12 of Yochanan chapter 1, this is what it says. But as many as in him have received him, which is the word cabal. So as many that as have cabaled Mashiach, to them he gave the authority to become, in fact, Yeladim HaElohim. If you'll rewind to Devouring 14.1. I normally would say swerve, but as I've taught people on my podcast that I say barrel roll, because it's Shomer Man I fly. So barrel roll. <laughs> Devaram 14.1 says this. They took it out. Oh, there, no, I didn't. Okay, it says you are the B'nai Elohim Elohekim. You shall not cut yourselves nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. So this whole verse right here is not only disconnecting us from death itself, because this whole grief and mourning to the process that you forget Hashem is the one who gives life, takes life. And what does he do? Restore it. And that's what we're praying for. And that's all attached to being children of Hashem. So this is why Shaul HaShliach, Paul the Apostle, would say we don't mourn as others mourn. We're children of Hashem. So back to Yochanan chapter one. So Yeshua gives us that authority if we receive him. This is why the whole thing about are you saved? Did you receive JC today? Kind of falls flat because receiving Mashiach is much more than just being delivered from a fiery place of torture. Okay, so take it up a notch. I mean, it's so much involved here. And then if you go to verse 13, it says he gave this authority to the ones who's being born was not by, say not by, the agency of natural descent. I don't know about y'all, but some people tell us, you know, hey, you, you're you Jewish? Yeah. Was your mother Jewish? Well, yeah, because I was born of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is feminine. Well, anyway, what else you want to talk about? But anyway, all right, so it says, nor by the ratzon, which is will, of the basar. Okay, you can't will yourself into being a Jew. You know, it's, it's a spiritual thing that happens first. This is why if you want to go around circumcising people or mikfing people or preaching truth at them, and there's nothing that's happened supernaturally on the inside, you're wasting your time. You really have to understand that this is, this is super deep, super spiritual, and it's not natural. You can't, like, put your finger on it and say, oh, yeah, you're Jewish because you grew up in a Jewish household. You're Jewish because you lit the Shabbat candles. No, it starts with what Hashem is going to do. Again, someone who's born by the Ruach Kodesh. Yeshua talks about this later in chapter 3, but we're not going to go there, and he says that knowing someone who's born of the Spirit is like trying to find where the wind is blowing. Like, you can, you can see the effects of it, but you can't pinpoint and say the wind started here, okay, which is why Targum Onkelos, O.G. Onkelos, and Parsha Yitro says that the Jews were converted just by the fact that they washed their clothes. And then there's all this discrepancy, and the Talmud was like, wait, but they, they have to get mikvahed. Wait, they have to get circumcised. And it's like, well, they got circumcised, kind of, and there were other people, and it's just like, again, It it starts with what Hashem is going to do. It's the birth by the Spirit. Okay, and then going on, it says, not of the will of a male, like a a man, and it says, rather to the ones born of God. Okay, and then you can cross-reference Yochanan chapter 3, verse 3 and 7. And here's the main verse I want to go to for suga. This is where this word is used in verse 14. It says, and the Devar Adonai, which is the Torah, the Bible, the Tanakh, the, also the Oral Torah. Because I don't know if you knew this, but the Oral Torah is literally called the Word of God because it's the decipherer of the Word of God, which is what Joseph was. And Joseph is called Zaphanat Paneach, which is to decipher the hidden and that's what the oral Torah does. It teaches you the word of God. Yeshua said, if I don't go, then he won't come. I.e., the ruach Hakodesh, kodesh which is also a decipher of the word of God. So like the oral Torah, the word of God, Yosef. Okay. All right. So it says, so that all that <laughs> became bodily and made his suga. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that just so fun to say? His Mishkan also, it says, tabernacle, among us. And we gazed upon his Shekinah. Mm. not supposed to look at the Shekinah, I thought. But if Hashem will contract, 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 conceal, conceal, now you can look at it. This is going to be real crazy, but I am Shomer man, so why not? You know, in our what's called birthday suit, you're not supposed to look at another person unless they're your wife or your husband. But if all of us put our clothes on, we can look at each other. That's what Hashem did so that we can look at the Shekinah. That was awkward, but (laughs) hopefully it helped you. (laughs) Goodness. Okay, so then... It says, the shekinah of the only begotten son from Hashem, the father, full of Hashem's chesed ve'emet, his grace and his kindness and his truth. So when you look at the word for sukkah, okay, so the festival of sukkot, okay, is spelled also with four letters. It should be spelled with five, but as the Zohar brings down, there's a missing vav, because these vav are the six P- guest plus David himself so David's like the extra but the six <laughs> the six guests that are visiting your sukkah namely you know you got Yosef you got uh, Abraham uh, Yitzhak Yaakov Moshe Aharon okay and then you know so you have uh, Abraham himself with his five guests to make the six and then you add in David to that and so the missing vav is linked with the visitors of your sukkah. So this is another reason why, during Sukkot, you should welcome guests into your sukkah because you're, you're going to make a completer name of the word sukkah itself. And then when you look at the root of sukkah, you have the summak, the kaf, and the hay. Now, is the wor- is the letter that means support or a shield. And then you have the kaf, which is all about a hand, okay? So if you put those two together, that's 40 plus 20, which is 60, okay? And then you have the hay, which is 5. So you have the 65, this this picture here of just that. And when you do 6 plus 5, 6 plus 5 is 11. And 11 just so happens to be the number of ingredients for the ketorit upon the golden altar, that truly binds you and makes you one with Hashem. So that's the root of what you're sitting in. And then what's covering the sukkah is called the sukkah. And then you have the somak, the kaf, and the kaf, okay, which is how you spell sukkah, and that gematria is 100. So if you remember back during Rosh Hashanah, we blew like a lot of shofar blasts. So the uh, the halakha is that you want to try to blow about a hundred shofar blasts, which is the Sangamatriya sukkah. So your shofar blasts, which is like the voice of Hashem, coming into Yom Kippur, turns into the smoke that leads us into the holy of holies, which dissipates and becomes the roof of your sukkah, and then. One more thing is that our beautiful Captain Yisrael shared with us on last Shabbat that you're actually allowed to uh, start building your sukkah minus the sukkah because you hadn't blown the shofar yet. But uh, if you build your sukkah, you can start as early as the middle of Elul, which I find so interesting because in the gospel accounts, it said it was during the sixth month that Hashem sent an angel to Miriam and said, I want you to go and tell them that, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a child and he's going to be the Messiah. So that happened in the, the month of Elul, basically. Elul is the sixth month. So by the time you can start putting up your unformed sukkah was the announcement of Mashiach's birth. So tag to incredible Talmud.
2: Which means that Mashiach was born, like King James read today in the Basora on Sukkot. When was he, sacri- uh, when was he circumcised? Shemaneh at Sarit, right? Which means Hoshana Rabbah was a celebration the day before. Amen? All right. Uh, I mean, we've got about 20 minutes left. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so. It helps to have just taught the kids a couple days ago, right? Let me get my, let my notes back there with Dorothy. Anyways, so I won't keep you long. Just a couple thoughts. Uh, so the year was 2011, and here I was with my uh, trip to Israel. It was on Sukkot. So I show up at the airport. I get into the, the taxi and I'm surrounded by all these rabbis. They look like rabbis to me. Anyways, well, one, as we was going down Highway 1 to Jerusalem, uh, we started making stops. They all started getting off. And it was just me and this, this one guy left. And he had been over to the States selling lulavs. Had a very good year, he told me. And uh, nobody talked to me until everybody got off the bus. Then he talked to me. (laughs) Because I didn't look like them. It's all right. Uh, They didn't look like me the way I looked at it. But anyways. uh, So we started talking. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing here? I'm here for Sukkot. Sukkot, really? Where are you from? I said, Texas. And uh, he said, wow, Texas. Man, I've never been to Texas. So... We started talking, and, of course, we was going to do some filming over there, Sukkot. And um, so he was telling me of the success he had selling the Lulabs. And then he took his arm. He said, you know, I got this great revelation. And uh, he took his arm out, bent it like this. This is what I taught the kids on, on Shabbat. He said, the halakha is you have to have two walls and at least a partial third wall to fulfill the building of the sukkah. And he said, this is our arm. We are built with the halakha on how to build a sukkah because it is in the arm of Hashem that we enter into and he takes us and brings us close to him. So, I started thinking about, uh, the letter, the letter bet. And you know, uh, Dr. Strange over there, he's a little strange, but uh, he actually put the source it's a Zohar source on the Yeshiva thread that the one letter that represents the sukkah is a bet. Not a vet, because there's no dagesh in the bet in the vet. When you put that dot in the middle of a bet, you're putting yourself into the bait. The house. A house with nobody in it is no house. It's no home. Right? That's a different letter altogether. So when you enter the sukkah, you're actually fulfilling the very halakha you were created to be reminded of. And that is to build the sukkah, to enter into the sukkah. Which reminds me that another thing we taught the kids was uh, how many, well, let me ask you a question. Oh, ask, ask the kids, I'm gonna ask y'all. How many commandments are there? 613, right? So, this guy back here, Joey Zolan, we call him, uh, his YouTube handle is Joe618. 613 is not good enough for him. He gotta add five to it. Yeah, like floating around back there. I said, man, what's wrong with you? So, when y'all see Joe618 comment on the videos, that's him. Anyways, uh, there's 613. The Vilna Gaon says there are two mitzvahs that we physically enter into. Number one is the land of Israel. And from that is deduced the halakha on the other, which is to enter into the sukkah. Do you sleep in the land of Israel? You can sleep in the sukkah. Do you eat in the land of Israel? You can eat in the sukkah. So with that, I want to say one final thing, and that's regarding the Mishnah. So I've been reading a lot about uh, the Mishnah. If you just want a good read, just grab a Mishnah and just sit down this year and read sukkah. It is so beautiful, the procession and the ceremony and the things the, the priests did in the courtyards of the temple. But just real quick, uh, the temple has obviously the Holy of Holies, right? You have the Israelite courtyard outside of that. So you have your holy house. Then you have the Israelite courtyard where all the sacrifices are made. Then you have 15 steps down from the Israelite courtyard into the woman's courtyard. Those 15 steps are shirah malot. These are very uh, integral in the water libation ceremony. Did you know that there's only one time a year where water is poured on the altar? And it's during Sukkot. Every other time of year, it's wine. But during the six days, during the six days, It's water and wine. Water and blood is poured out. Anyways, there is a parallel opposite feast to Sukkot, and that's Pesach. And we gather from this that at Pesach, without Pesach, you cannot have Sukkot. Without Sukkot, you can't have Pesach because he was born to save us. Now, check this out. In Pesach, you take the bread, you take the matzah, and you put it inside of you. You eat it, right? But in sukkah, in sukkot, you enter your sukkah. So there's a parallel and there's a, a direct association between the matzah of Pesach and you in your sukkah. So you cannot have one without the other. They both are attached. Now, the Mishnah says this. This is uh, Sukkah 5, 1 through 4 in the Mishnah. One who never saw the celebration of the Simcha Beit HaShehovah has never seen a real celebration during his or her life. The Mishnah in uh, 5, 2 continues. At the end of the first day of Sukkot, the Kohanim and the Leviim went down to the woman's courtyard. How many steps did they take to go down? Fifteen. Where they made a big change to the courtyard. So the woman's courtyard had a big change to it. The Mishnah continues. The golden men wrote were there to give light. On the top of each were four oil-holding golden bowls, and there were four ladders, one for each bowl. Four Kohanim boys were assigned to watch them. we got watchers. Watchers on the walls. Y'all know about that? They had in their hands pitchers totaling 120 logs of oil. The 120 is interesting because there's a Tosafot uh, that talks about Moshe living 120 years. So there's 120 logs of oil that fill these golden bowls. The Arukh Laner teaches that the 120 is about repentance. This is the number of years that Hashem gave the generation of the flood to repent. Sukkah 5.3, the wicks were made from the torn up belts and undergarments of the koanim. Every courtyard in Jerusalem was illuminated by the light of the celebration of Simchat Beit HaShehovah. So Rashi says the wicks, the clothing was paid for by the communal funds and was put to one more communal usage. Literally got every last drop of Kedusha out of every dime that was given to the Holy Temple. And every courtyard, the menorah were tall enough. Now, this this is where I want to bring my point to. The menorah were tall enough, the temple mount was high enough, and the walls of the temple were low enough that this light could shine throughout Jerusalem. So I want you to think about the light that shines through Jerusalem um, and how during this ceremony... No matter where you were in the city, you could see the light of the temple. But I actually think there there is something beautiful about this as it teaches us what is yet to come. Because as we read today in the Haftarah, the light will not just shine in Jerusalem, but beyond. The light will be so strong that we won't even know if it's sun or if it's night or if it's day or what time or the hour. It will be one beautiful stream of light that will it will be like a sunset or like uh, Shlomo told me something beautiful today that that every sunset is different. Every sunrise is different. They all have their unique Hashem's fingerprint like all of our fingerprints are different. And that's why in the end of days we are commanded to celebrate which feast? Sukkot because there's a teaching that we, as all the nations, not just those in Jerusalem, but all the nations of the world will come and enter into the sukkah of the Mashiach. And I, I was telling, I met and met Mazel this, and, and Natan and Naomi at the, at the table, and Mazel said, oh, I wonder if that sukkah is going to be Leviathan's skin. And I told her, get out. All right, that's it, Rabbi. Come on.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. Yasher koach. A couple of things I want to say from while Mikhail was talking, it just occurred to me that the water drawing ceremony, the water that they got for that, someone who came from the pool of Shiloah, which is what our mikvah is named, the, the mikvah Shiloah. And also, if you think about what Mikhail said about you enter into the Holy Land or you enter into the Sukkah and the correlation between the two, you know that wherever the embassy of the United States is, if you go to the embassy, you can be in any foreign country, and you go to the embassy of the United States, you are on U.S. soil at that point. And as a citizen, you can enter into that you have; to, they have to let you in as, as a citizen of the United States. They have to let you into the embassy, and you can have safe haven there. You could be anywhere in the world, France. You could be in anywhere, right? So think about this: wherever your sukkah is, is the embassy of heaven, and wherever you enter into your sukkah, you're entering into Eretz Israel. You're entering into Shemayim, and therefore. When you invite people to come into your sukkah, you are literally inviting them to come in, to step into Shemayim with you. Isn't that amazing? Amen.